As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. We are over the moon excited to talk to our girl, Tamara, Tamara Melton, to be exact. She is a dietitian. She's also the co-founder of Diversified Dietetics, which we are always hyping up. It's one of our favorite organizations dedicated to increasing diversity in the field of nutrition. Tamara has over a decade of experience in education and academia. She's taught and advised thousands of students and diverse groups. And we wanted to talk to her because she's worked with many Black women doing nutrition counseling. And something that has come up a lot is this idea of like Black beauty ideals. And we're going to talk about what that means and kind of like how it can manifest. Yeah, Tamara is one of my favorite dietitian friends. If I had a top five on MySpace, <laughs> Tamara would be right up there. We're always, we're always kicking and sending voice notes. So before we jump in, I'm going to go ahead and read a quick listener review from Cold Brew. So it says the right side of health and wellness. I love Jess and Wendy's take on health and wellness. They're always giving the best advice for the everyday person. I recommend this podcast to all of my friends. Thank you so much for that review. And if you haven't already, head on over, drop us some stars. We're trying to get 92 more ratings or reviews by the end of the summer. Help us out. Now on to the episode. Tamara, welcome back to the podcast. We are so excited to have you um, because we were talking offline about this topic and how it really needed to be covered. We were just saying like we had touched a little bit about it on the podcast before on the episode that we did with Mikey, but it really needs its own episode because it's such a loaded topic. I feel like all Black women have you know, been subjected to some kind of like unrealistic beauty ideal. So can you tell us like, because you pitched it to us and we were like, oh my God, yes. But what was the motivation for like wanting to do an episode with us about this? So I, early 2021, uh, did a, uh, ran a woman's, a nutrition coaching program for Black women. That was the majority of my um, ladies who were in the group. And I was kind of general nutrition. We were definitely going to introduce the topic of intuitive eating and health at every size. And I was working with a dietetic intern. So those of you who aren't familiar with that in the field of nutrition, we all go through some sort of training. It's our dietetic internship. And so students work with professionals. I had a student working with me. So she was creating the presentation for the week. And it was about diet culture. And she was doing it from a very... Eurocentric perspective, talking about thinness and 
being really thin and everything. And I said to her, that's not what these black women are trying to look like. And so yeah, we went down the rabbit hole of what are the beauty ideals for black women. I live in Atlanta. So if we, if we can see all the things here, we see it. (laughs) And we were able to find the waist trainers and, you know, there was a lot of conversation around hair, right? And what hair should look like, colorism and those sorts of things. And as I started to have, not only we're, as we were creating this presentation, but I'm having conversations with my ladies in the group. I also did one-on-ones with them. There were a lot of asks around, well, I just want to get, you know, my waist smaller. I want to lose weight in certain places. I want to make sure that, you know, my booty's a certain size or things like that. And I'm having to have conversations of grown women to say, trees are different shapes. You can be different shapes too. And so I thought about how we just don't have a lot of conversations that we really need to have in the Black community about these really unrealistic ideals. Not only the unrealistic and the fact that they're just not healthy, but we are putting out there for women these ideals that are celebrities who clearly have had work done. Um, but it's just this pedestal that they're put upon. And women are really, really getting down on this. I mean, I'm, I've had conversations, you probably have too, with your clients about this. So that's when I reached out, I think, to Jess. Like, I voiced them to like, we got to have a conversation about this. The smoothies, the shakes, the juice, all that going together to try to hit this ideal that we just don't really talk because we're, it's not the same as other cultures necessarily. Mm-mm. I just think of the Fashion Nova's, the Shade Room ads, any t- like I'll follow like these black accounts. And as soon as I start seeing the ads for the waist trainer, the, you know, there's so many different things or the hair or even just like the models. The it's just like, give me a break. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about like you're saying tomorrow, like these beauty ideals that are more Eurocentric, but I think it's important to have the conversation about the beauty ideals that affect the black community and other, I think other communities of color too, and how they play a role in body objectification. So you mentioned some, but just like, is there anything else that you have seen, like kind of the biggest trends with beauty ideals and black women clients you've worked with? With older clients, colorism is definitely there. Mm. And, you know, and people may think that they're, they're beyond that they're you know happy in their skin but you know what we were sitting outside of a beauty supply store here in atlanta a couple days ago picking up dinner and you know we've seen all those pictures of the women who are in those ads and they're lighter skinned women i mean you might see sprinkled in their darker skinned women so the colorism i think is a big deal the hair you can wear your hair whatever way you want to but we're being really real about it one of my really good friends is my own hairstylist. We were talking about this before we, we came on and she has told me about so many women who sit in her chair who are really distraught over the natural hair coming out of their heads. They're putting on the front that they're feeling really good about it and everything, but there's still a lot of wanting to get to this ideal of the, the type of curl. Your hair can be curly, but it has to be a certain type of curly. It can't be like nappy curly or something like that. So I see those two big things as the ideal as well. We talked about the waist trainers having the, you know, the boobs, the tiny waist, the big booty, you know, that sort of thing. So I think all of that's in there too. So all of that are the biggest ones that I have seen. Um, And it's, 
interesting when we're supposed to be in this day and age of we can all have different body shapes and, and sizes and everything and, and we're accepted. I don't know how far that's actually gotten to the black community. <laughs> if we're honest and real, I don't know how far that's actually really accepted in our community. And like you said, some other communities too, they can lead to disorder eating and likely eating disorders. And it's problematic and is really, it's problematic for women in feeling good in relationships and uh, their confidence at work and girls at school. Uh, it just really starts to trickle. So those are the biggest ones that I've seen. And there's, it's just all the subliminal messaging. It's all around us in, you know, in a lot of different ways. So those are the biggest, y'all may have seen some other ones and, and encountered them, but those are probably the ones I've seen. Y'all are always asking us what cookware we're using. And I am thrilled to bring you this week's podcast sponsor, Made In. Do you ever think about how your favorite restaurant consistently makes great food? Well, the short answer is they have access to the right kitchen tools. With Maiden's professional quality cookware and kitchenware, anyone is capable of making restaurant quality food at home. If you have wanted to invest in quality kitchenware, Maiden is the right fit for you. They have all types of cookware and kitchenware products. They're used by thousands of the world's best chefs. I've been using their nonstick pan. I am hooked. I'm forever making everything on there from eggs to stir fries to pretty much everything. You can tell that it's high quality. The craftsmanship is 100. And if you're interested in those things, you should check out Maiden. In addition to pots and pans, they also make knives and wine glasses. They have a lifetime guarantee and over 32,000 five-star reviews. Maiden is offering our listeners a special hookup code, of course. It's going to be food heaven for 15% off your first order. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Maiden products. You can go to madeincookware forward slash food heaven and use our code food heaven for 15% off your first order. Again, that site is Made in cookware, M A D E I N cookware.com forward slash food heaven. And our code is food heaven. All right, we're going to hop back in. I was going to talk about the beauty supply store, which I feel like I have so many issues with the beauty supply store and the black community. I don't know if other people, I'm sure non black people maybe haven't been to a beauty supply store, but they're typically not owned. I don't think I've ever been to a beauty supply store that was owned by a black person. And when I uh, went natural, like, I don't even know however many years ago or started wearing my hair natural, I was going to the beauty supply stores and there were no, and these were supply, beauty supply stores for black people. There were no natural products. Like how do you have a store for black people and you have no products that support the natural hair that comes out of my head? It was, that's what around the time Miss Jessie's was popular and it was like, oh, okay, well, this is like kind of the only alternative. Now there's more stuff, but not in the beauty supply. Do you see Black-owned beauty supply stores in Atlanta that actually have Black products? No, literally across the street from my house was a Black-owned beauty supply store. They're not common. Don't think that we're like flush with them even here in Atlanta. It definitely is still rare, but uh, we go, that's where we go. We support that business owner and there's not, there's a, you know, there's a, solid natural hair section, but it's not the majority of the store. The majority yeah. of the store are the weaves, the wigs. Yeah, there's some curly, you know, extensions or wigs you can get, but it's that right type of curl. There's no 4C wig hat, right? Mm. There, that's not 
any sort of wig that anybody's getting. So there's a, a larger section that's consumer demand, I think. But how many of them, if you even look at the words in there, they're talking about loosening your curls, mm-hmm. getting the right curl pattern. Like it's still natural hair, but people are trying to achieve a certain beauty ideal, even if it is in there. So yeah, it's a very um, interesting space in the beauty supply. Like you said, that is a whole, that's a whole episode itself. Like Mm -hmm. I think just thinking about how it's funded, you know, why it is the way that it is in America, you know, a lot of beauty supply stores are Asian owned, but that's a whole history of people aren't familiar with that you should dig into why it's hard for black people to get into the business of it um and then even if they are what are the products that sell because what are people going to buy if you want to keep your doors open you still need to support what people want to buy and then that will tell you what the ideals are what are beauty ideals what are people buying and there might be some natural products but i see too many where it's still tending towards a certain type of natural hair Yeah. And also, like, we have to move past beauty, which we spoke about in Mm -hmm. our episode that we did on, like, self-objectification, because wearing your natural hair, if you have really tightly coiled hair, it's a radical act. Like, there are a lot of women who cannot get work because of their hair texture. Like, they have to put on a wig or they have to put on extensions or whatever. And so it really is political. And, like, I'm all about Black is Beautiful and everything. But when we focus on that too much, it's like we have our own stuff our own mess when it comes to what is beautiful and what is not that we uphold and so it's like can we move past that and like really talk about celebrating all people and how radical that can be you know yeah Mm -hmm. and not making like in the episode we talked about your beauty is not your life's work yeah it's not the most important thing about you so how do we focus on other characteristics that you want to celebrate and not always centering beauty and like movement towards these ideals. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's really huge. I love that because that is what is centered a lot. We, we see a lot more now with, you know, celebrating little girls, especially little black girls who might be scientists or things like that. But we see a lot more of celebrities who have the typical beauty ideal being celebrated for whatever reason, just, and it just is, if we're going to be real about it, and it's to me, it's hit home because I have two young daughters. Mm-hmm. And so they're right at that age where what they have two different body types and two different hair textures, same exact skin tone. <laughs> so that we at least have that level, but two different and watching them see what is seen as beautiful and trying to emulate it can sometimes be the most crushing thing as a mom. Mm -hmm. And having to come in and say, no, your hair is really pretty. Your hair is beautiful. Even if it's different than your sister's, Um, your body is beautiful. Trying to combat other people saying things, just like you said, Jess, the way that you look on the outside isn't the only important thing and really reinforcing that because it is an unwinding of all the things that they hear and they see, because that's not what's reinforced in this very city that we live in. They live in a city that is really not reinforced. Yes, it's a lot of Black people. I love the community. Would, would not want to live anywhere else. But you're having to unwind that with them. And just seeing it so little is really what I think also has kind of struck me too in trying to unwind it with my daughters and, and making sure that they know that they're more than what they are on the outside or what they can fulfill for men or something like that. Exactly. 
So I also think that these beauty standards, they manifest in like really subtle ways, especially when it comes to like body ideals, like the small ways, the fat ass. And I want to talk about that because I think a lot like we've all internalized that stuff. Even like Justin, I speak about this stuff all the time. You you as well, Tamara. And it's like we've all been there. We're like, damn, you know, like I want that snatch waist or whatever. And then once you bring it into consciousness, you're like, oh, like <laughs> this is problematic. <laughs> but I think a lot of people really don't don't fully understand um, how internalized this stuff is and also why it is problematic because I, I, I have many friends who are like, well, I just want to go to the gym and like, I just like the way that my body looks when, you know, like my abs are toned or whatever. I really want to like build up the booty. You, you know how many build the booty workouts there are on YouTube. So can you talk to us a little bit about like why this is problematic? Because we're all different and you're going to spend so much time, effort and energy, probably trying to get yourself to a space that you're either never going to achieve. You're always going to be unhappy. And if you do achieve it, you're going to have to spend so much trying to maintain it that you're not going to be happy. And is it really going to get you to whatever your level of happiness is? And you might attribute not reaching your goals because you don't look a certain way. That may not be true. Um, you might, all sorts of things might come into play. It could definitely affect relationships. I know that, like you said, we internalize it. I am a mom. I've gotten some pandemic weight. And so that has affected me. And it can affect, you know, me putting something on my husband about like, oh, he may not be attracted to me or something anymore. And he's over here not even thinking about that. And so I got attitude and it's coming into our relationship. So it's affecting that. Like there's this person here who is committed and he's all in and he's fine. And I'm over here stewing and upset and feeling some kind of way because you have to constantly work on these subliminal messages that we've internalized. And so I feel like he can get in the way of women, especially really achieving their full potential. They're afraid to go out for certain things because they're not sure they're going to make it because people are going to accept them. Um, they can't be their true selves. I just see it as a really limiting factor. And we don't see the true potential, I think, of a lot of Black women. And I'd like to speak to the whole social media culture. And the Black women that we see as successful still all look a certain way. I mean, overwhelmingly, still have very typical beauty ideals. So if a woman doesn't look that way, she probably thinks she has to get to those standards to even be successful in her business life or something like that. Yeah. And it's also just not healthy. Like a lot of times people do this stuff and they're like, well, I want to do it to be healthy. Like I'm going to the gym, but really the underlying message is like, I want yeah. to develop a certain body type. And so many, like people spend so much money on this stuff too. Just mm -hmm. thinking about like personal trainers or even like plastic surgery, which um, is really big in the Dominican Republic. And it's like, there's a celebration of that. It's like people go to the DR from other countries to get plastic surgery. And it's like, yeah, you're clapped on, like good for you for like, you know, getting that perfect body and saving up the and it's like just think about how much energy and money you are spending on this and you are compromising your relationship to your body and also to food because it's very easy to develop disordered eating habits 
and trying to like pursue this ideal body shape. Yeah. And also I feel like all of these changes to your body don't necessarily cure a negative body image. I feel like it's a lot and your body's also always going to be changing regardless. So, you know, whether it's aging, right? And it's your face changing or your body changing. It's like if you haven't gotten to a place of, you know, a little bit more acceptance and or respect, it's always going to be a continuous battle. And I've had women in their 70s where it's still a struggle, you know, which I totally understand because the society we work in and I don't want to act like I have it all figured out because I absolutely don't and I still struggle. But I think just, you know, acknowledging that that it sometimes can be really difficult and can suck because we do live in the culture that idolizes certain beauty standards. And if you aren't someone who has access to those things, like naturally, Wendy's saying like a lot of people doing things with like surgeries or unsafe mechanisms. And it's just like, I don't know. So I'm so glad we're having the conversation because it's something that comes up every day with everyone I work with. And, and, and it's, I don't always have like an answer because I feel like there isn't really an answer. The answer is we as a society have to collectively reject all of these ideals and stop centering appearance so much, but that's not the reality. So it's like, it's tough. Yeah. And you probably have clients where you, you're sitting down and they have all these great accomplishments and they are really hung up on this one thing. Yeah. They really cannot get past it. And it's really the point where I feel it's like you're, it ha they have to, you have to really push them to do something radical because mm. it, it, we can't say this isn't a part of our culture if it's not something that is so arresting to people. Like they literally cannot see themselves as all their accomplishments and all their things that they've done and the contributions that they've given because they don't have this hourglass figure or they don't have a certain type of hair. And it's, I think it's limiting us. I think, especially as women, it is limiting what black women are able to do. Uh, the mental effort that's being put into it, the people we're not allowing to flourish and grow and be leaders because they don't have a certain ideal. I mean, let's be real. Some of us will, if you've worked in a corporate environment, you see the people who make it to the top, right? If they are, if they're the token person or not, but you see what they look like, but are they the best person? Right. Uh, but we might even collectively push them forward because we feel like they're the ones who are going to be more highly respected or something. So I, I see it in women who are traditionally attractive just tend to have more success. I work sometimes with coaching clients through business coaching and I have to have an honest conversation of those who don't have the traditional ideals of what's attractive have a harder time. It's, mm -hmm. I don't have any hard data on it. And I feel like they have a hard time being accepted by peers or, you know, getting business if they're working in the black community, which is interesting. If they're not working in a black community, they seem to do okay. There is data on it, by the way. Oh, it's absolutely there, it's a whole area of research. Yeah. There's a name I forget the name for it, but it's it's like the study of how a conventional attractiveness helps you advance in life and partnerships. It's actually really interesting and it's it's so real. But like one thing that I was going to say is, 
And we mentioned this on the podcast uh, when we had Lindsay Kite on, but even people who are closer to the dominant like beauty appearance ideal, those people are still really insecure for them, you know, like, and, and the research says this too. And like they, um, with relationships, they tend to, I think like attractive people tend to get divorced more so than people who are like, quote, like not conventionally attractive, which is interesting. And I'm just thinking of like, the Kardashians, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember that episode where Kim was at the beach. This was a couple of years ago when she's like got that trainer and started being even more disordered eating. But there was a picture of her thighs and she had cellulite. And she was, it was on the episode. She was so mortified and just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And it like ruined her whole trip for that picture to come out. And my friend texted me like, wow, like the Kardashians who meet this like hourglass, like all of it, like the beauty standards, she's so insecure, you know, based on this photo and how it's like changed her whole life. And the fact that all of them, you know, continue to have what appears to be allegedly plastic surgery and all of it's like, there's, there's all, you know, close to that ideal, but still really insecure. So it doesn't changing all these things and having all the surgeries and losing the weight, it doesn't really fix anything deep down yeah yeah that's the that's the point right it, it's not and that's if you think that's gonna fix whatever you think that's what's holding you back that's not it <laughs> so i don't know about you but it feels like the world is just kind of racing back to get back to normal and start meeting get in person and i'm feeling like after the year that we've all had getting back to feeling normal is going to take a lot of time and some therapy. <laughs> you guys all know that I'm a huge fan of therapy, not only for myself, but also for my clients as well. And I want to talk a little bit about our podcast supporter this week, Talkspace. Talkspace makes it easy to match with a licensed therapist and schedule live video sessions all from the comfort of your device. You can start messaging your therapist the same day you sign up. Whether you're a parent, a student, a millennial, or just someone having a hard day, or a hard year, Talkspace can provide the support to help you feel better with a single message. And the thing I love about Talkspace is that it not only offers individual therapy, but also couples therapy, because I know a lot of couples have really struggled throughout the you know year in lockdown. Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience. So you're able to send and receive unlimited, unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. They have thousands of licensed therapists that are available for you to match up with so you can find someone who you feel comfortable with and feel open to talking about your concerns. So whether that's depression, anxiety, or other problems. So of course, y'all know we have the hookup code and we want you to start feeling better. And with Talkspace, you can start feeling better with a single message. So to match with a licensed therapist, all you have to do is go to Talkspace.com and use the code FOODHEAVEN to get $100 off your first month. Again, that's $100 off when you use the code FOODHEAVEN at Talkspace.com. Now back to the episode. Switching gears a little bit or kind of backing up, you mentioned your daughters and how that is one of the hardest things about being a mother is knowing that these ideals exist and your daughters are brown-skinned. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, that and uh, comments that, you know, especially as black people, I'm sure we've all heard like stay out of the sun is one. So your skin doesn't get darker or even sexualization of young girls bodies in our community. Can you talk about like your experience with that as a mother and 
any, any other experience and also how you have found this harmful? Yeah. So this is, this is probably the reason why I'm more passionate about this now because I have these two little ladies who we're raising and they're right at that age where they're developing their, their bodies and they're little black girls. So we tend to develop sooner or we're just shapelier naturally. And so it seems like we're developing sooner, but we, it, it honestly comes a lot from family, older family members. We just visited my great aunt in Florida. She's West Indian. My family's from Trinidad and my dad's side. And so she, they grew up with a culture that definitely idolized lighter skin and she's dark skin. She's very dark skin. My daughter's about my complexion, so we're kind of brown skin. And so they had just been at the beach for a week. We were at the beach for a whole week. And she probably no less than 30 or 40 times said to them, you need to stay out of the sun for the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And she kept on saying, look how dark your skin is, look how dark your skin is, and saying that to them. And that being around, you, you want to respect your elders, but trying to unwind that, you cannot unwind what kids hear subliminally because they will mention it later on or they'll you'll hear them kind of saying it to their dolls mm-hmm. or to each other. It, it sticks in their heads because we all have heard something. What we were talking about earlier, people being upset when they went to going natural or something, there's a lot of things they've heard from people when they were younger. And we've got to remember how much these white ideals have been put into our older generation. Yeah. And it comes through and it really seeps through. And they're just kind of unconsciously passing this along. And so there's a lot of unwinding there that I have to do with my daughters. And I do it by not necessarily saying that what she said wasn't right. I say it from the perspective of everybody comes in different shades and isn't it neat that you get to have different shades of color throughout the year Yes, because you were in the sun and now you look a little bit differently now. Another one I want to point to is the eye color thing. This to me was not a thing growing up. I grew up in Phoenix, so I was around white kids in Mexico. Like there were no black people. So it was me and all these kids. Everybody had lighter eyes. It just wasn't something. My family moved to Florida. And then I moved to Atlanta for grad school and I met a man who's now my husband. And my husband's from the South. He's from North Carolina. Whole family is too. Deep South. And one of the things he said to me was like, oh, look at the color of your eyes. My eyes are barely lighter brown <laughs> than brown. Yeah, I've never noticed. Say, I'd never, yeah. exactly. I'd never noticed this. And his family members, when they met me, were like, oh, look at her eyes. Like it was almost like we're about to breathe this into our lines. And so my husband will probably kill me if he hears this. He probably won't. But he, when our first daughter was, I was pregnant with the first daughter, he's like, I really hope that, you know, we have your eye color in the family. My first daughter does have my exact eye. Second daughter doesn't. And the family just was like, oh, we we did it. We got some lighter eyes in there. Yes. And I was just looking at them like, you've got to be kidding me. There's so much. So they are a family that is definitely, I can see, you can just see the effects of white supremacy on their beauty ideals. Um, and that's just kind of just where they are. And like I said, it's nothing against them. I just can see it in so many different ways because I'm so looking out for it and trying to unwind it in my own children. So with that, I have a lot of conversations with my daughters. I never, and very consciously, say anything negatively about my own body, their bodies. I hear anyone say anything to them about it. We talk about 
the qualities in them that are within them as being the most valued. You're really smart. You're really kind. You're really generous. You know that those you're really all those creative and those sorts of things because I'm trying to really counterbalance that in my daughters. The sexualization too. I mean, little Disney Channel will be doing some things. So I'm like, you've got to yeah. be kidding me. Like this is not little girls on there at the ages that they are. Like my daughters will do this, this thing now where they're trying to be teenagers. They'll say it like I'm being a teenager. And so they like switching their little hips. They don't have no hips. Like they're switching around and everything. And I realize it's from the little black girls on the TV show. Yep. So it's not necessarily little white girls. It's little black girls on the show who have this, you know, the way they're talking and acting and everything. But yes, it is all there. I say for parents, it's just being really aware of what your children are consuming, limiting that. Having a lot of, most of my very close girlfriends are very comfortable in their skin. They're very girly. Both of my best friends are makeup artists. So they're very girly in their own ways, which I like that, but they're very comfortable in the skin that they're in. And so I make a really conscious effort to show them all the different ways that people are beautiful, but especially on the inside. Because it's like a war, I feel like. It is literally like a war for me to make sure that they are really balanced and solid women as they grow up. Yes. And it's obvious that like with the hair stuff and the eye color and the skin, like that's all very much rooted in white beauty ideals. But even I feel like the body stuff, it's like you can't be too curvy. Like, you know, you can't like your ass can't be too fat because then it's too black. So do you feel like there's a connection there, too, with like this whole like snatched beauty ideal having some connection to whiteness? Yeah, because it's just, you got to have some, but not too much. And then let's remember, this wasn't acceptable mainstream until the Kardashians brought it in. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Let's just be very honest J-Lo, about... J-Lo. J-Lo and J-Lo, the Kardashians. J-Lo, yes. yeah. So it had to be someone who was lighter skinned, uh, you know, or white, who was bringing this in. And then it was seen as mainstream acceptable, but it's to a certain point, mm-hmm. a certain standard. So... And it's very rigid, right? It's a very rigid look that women have. I don't care if it's, it's if the inch is very slightly, but it's still very rigid and very reproducible, I feel like, and very standardized. And so, yes, I feel like it's always been what we've had as Black people. You can do this, but not too much because you just went too far. Like, that's not acceptable. I mean, that just permeates throughout white supremacy so much, right? We can do just a little. And then once they're not quite happy with it we went too far or if we try to really own it then it's not acceptable exactly yep oprah interviewed j-lo it was so good because it was like oh the big booty is in and oprah was like girl the big booty been in like right. <laughs> before you came on the that. scene yeah right yeah. you can't gentrify our booties like we've been having that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can ask our yeah, grandparents yes you can't gentrify our booties <laughs> that's a shirt that is. That's a slogan. <laughs> let's get a cup. Right. Although I don't have a booty. So. Okay, let's talk about this is the last thing. And then I want to give some like actionable things. The snapback. Ugh. It's just like a tired, tired, toxic. For those of you, I mean, everyone I think knows what the snapback is, but just like you have a baby and it's like, how quickly can you be disordered and snap it (laughs) back? Like not eat anything, which by the way, 
if you have a baby, because we used to work in, um, in women's clinics, if you have a baby, you cannot be in a caloric deficit with your eating. Like, especially if you're breastfeeding, you just, you have to be in a surplus and you should not expect to go back to your pre-baby weight. Sometimes you never will, but like not within a year. So though, like those are kind of like the, the recommendations, like meaning don't diet when you're breastfeeding. So the people who are snapping back like in a, a month or whatever, or even Cardi, she had a tummy tuck uh, right after and not bashing anyone who's had a tummy tuck. It just speaks louder to like the pressures we're all under. But yeah, I just want to, let's talk about just the snapback and like, you know, people being praised for losing this weight and they just had a baby. They have a baby on one hip. They're in the gym on, you know, how do you think this is harmful for black mothers specifically? Okay. I'm going to be very real about something that I did just to let people know this happens to everyone. After my second daughter, I don't know who I got this. Like it was basically a waist trainer thing. So like I said, this is very insidious. And I was in the hospital still trying to like put this thing on and I'll never forget this black woman. She was um, from the food service department. So she saw me every day because she was bringing my meals and she put her hand in me. She was like, baby, stop, stop Mm. it. She said, you just had your second daughter in 15 months and you are supposed to be just enjoying this moment and you're going to go through a lot in the next few, few weeks. And months and just focus on that and she my husband was there she's like he doesn't care about it nobody in here cares about this just stop and I remember crying because that's what happens you have all these emotions at that time like you were saying Jess you are you just went through a very major transformation for nine months anybody you see who's snapping back if they're if there are cameras on them and they're making money that way they had some help for that to happen and don't think that they're probably not also dealing with all the emotions. You have true hormones. As soon as you have a baby, like either vaginally or you have a, a C-section birth, your hormones drop in 24 hours to the levels that they were before you had a baby. That is a major shift, major shift. That is the reason why we see where women have quote unquote mood swings. It's not a mood swing. You're, you're responding to the way that your hormones change. And your body at that point in time is trying to be replenishing for you, which we don't talk enough about in Western culture, of replenishing your body and then supporting your baby if you're actually breastfeeding. I think that that's one of the most harmful, you know, parts of this issue that we're speaking to here is to young mothers, because if you are a young mother and you're already dealing with other feelings about your body, this is, if you've ever had any kids, it is going to throw, nobody can ever prepare you for what you're going to experience. And then if you're trying to get back to, I need to be this person who looked this certain way, you're a different person now. And those folks who have a camera in their face are getting paid to look that way. And they're getting paid to tell you that you're not good enough. They're getting paid. And all those people who are making money off of all the products, the teas, the juices, the, the trainers, the per- the all those things. Yeah, all those things are just made to help you feel not good about yourself and you're just not going to be the best mom your child is only a baby for it feels like three seconds anybody who's had kids will tell you it's breathtakingly fast and so I think that for moms they're the group where I just want to kind of be that 
that lady for me who was like, baby, that's, that's not what you need to be worried about right now. And know that it's not realistic. Anything you see on social media or TV is not realistic. And they have a team <laughs> that you nannies and chefs and stuff. So yeah, that, that is, I'm glad you brought that up because that is, uh, we should be celebrating our moms for bringing a life in to the world and not making them feel worse. Yeah. And it's just not real, like it's because I, I also feel like we use those like very uncommon examples among our circles like, oh, but this person did it. And it's just like that is it just doesn't. That's not the case for most people. So let's remove that focus off of that person and stop congratulating them for being like the thin friend that lost the baby weight and instead just focus on whatever it is that's going on with us, you know. So in wrapping, what are some practices that you have found to be helpful in the people that you've worked with for working through all of this stuff, specifically for Black women? I think that having someone to talk to to help you recognize what you might be struggling with is a really good investment. And I mentioned that as an investment because some people women may think, you know, I don't have the time or the money to spend on that. And it might be just an older mentor was wise to speak to if you can invest in actually working with a therapist or if it's disordering with a dietitian or a team like that. But if you can, working with them is really important. Um, I think journaling is really, really helpful with this practice because you, this is one of those areas in body image where you may not see the progress that you've made. And it's really easy to get knocked back into where your thinking was before because we're surrounded with it so much. And then change what you consume. Who are you following on social media? Who are you watching? It's okay to, you know, have some mindless, you know, real housewives, you know, reality TV to watch, but you want to balance that out with other things that are really fulfilling you and then do things that make you feel good, that help you to feel good in your skin that you're in. Buy clothes that fit your now body. So you're not thinking about your body when you have something tight on that's making you think about what you're wearing. And be around people who are going to make you feel uplifted. That might be, and that's hard. Our black girlfriends, right, are also steeped in this and our our moms and cousins and aunties or whatever. So we have that very much steeped in this culture. But you can tell people, be that person in the group who's like, you know what, I'm not, that's not the most important thing. I'm trying to be healthy and really just filling your mind with this because you remember you have to be combating it because it's going to be all around us. So you kind of have to do like your own curation of what you're taking in and who you're around and just reminding yourselves of that and having those affirmations of, like you said, Jess, what is it that is wonderful about you that's not just your outward appearance? Really remind yourself of that and keep that in front of you. So, and know that you're not going to be perfect. I gave you several examples to show you that I'm still kind of a hot mess. <laughs> even oh, in this yes. whole regard, we all are, even yeah, as professionals. Yes. So just know it's not going to be perfect, but you'll feel so much lighter. Like to know, first of all, if you don't have a waist trainer on, you can breathe better. Let's just Like you'll just feel so much lighter overall if you're working towards really this radical change against these unrealistic beauty ideals that we have yeah well for our listeners who want to connect with you find out about all the amazing things that you're doing where can they find you i'm on ig at tamara's table that's where you can find me 
Okay, cool. And what about dietitians who may want to work with you because you have a whole business catered towards dietitians? Talk about that. Yeah, so I um, work with dietitians who want to use storytelling in their business. If you're, and if you're a wellness pro, um, work with you as well. So find me again on IG <laughs> at the storytelling dietitian. If you haven't noticed, I love telling stories. I think they're a really great way to teach people and reach your audience. So I would love to work with you if you are looking to grow your business or your side hustle. I love my side hustlers too. Hmm. Love it. Thanks, Tamara. This was a great conversation. I'll catch you on. Oh, sorry. I was trying to remember. I'll catch you on voice note. <laughs> that is what we do. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.